Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that is taped after dark, deep in a bunker underground. I'm Alex. The Gargoyle King rises, and he's sort of full of sticks, maybe, in this part horse? I don't know. When Pete's not here, there's no one to stop us from doing these voices. <laughs> we could do them for the entire podcast if we want to. It's making my throat hurt a bit, but that's fine. Yes, let's have a little sip of water. I'm Justin. I'm... Oh, I already said I was Alex. I, do we go back and forth now and just say our names for an Did hour? Did I say I'm Justin? I should say... I'm Justin. Oh, I'm Alex. Great. And Pete isn't here because he's flying now. He's flying. (laughs) Sad? Sad. Sad. All right, don't go that far. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in, as usual, to Riverdale After Dark. This is going to be a recap for Fortune and Men's Eyes, I believe the episode is called. Close enough, probably. Uh, This is the second episode of Season 3. Before we get into it, we'll do a little bit of a recap for you. Gotta. Uh, So, Archie is in jail. As, yeah. as happens. Archie's in Shawshank Redemption, uh, I like, think. Literally, <laughs> very specifically, Shawshank Redemption Jail, even though there was Shankshaw Prison last season, yeah. and he's in the Leopold and Loeb Juvenile Detention Center. great refs, guys. <laughs> Google the <laughs> great history here. Oh, boy. I definitely want to get to references this episode since there are a ton of them. Uh, but he's in the Juvenile and... Uh, juvenile. The Leopold and Loeb Juvenile Detention uh, center for a murder that he did not commit. Meanwhile, everybody else is on the outside. Veronica's pretty upset because she wants to try to get him out um, legally, of course. Of not, course. Not a she prison breakout. She'll tamper with a jurist, but never uh, would she break any sort of law. Right. They're, they're not going to attempt a prison breakout, at least until next episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's going to be two episodes from That's now. That's it. Uh, also, let's see what's going on. Oh, so our Archie's in prison. Uh, Veronica wants to get him out. Uh, Betty had a seizure at the end of the last episode or something happened to the the last episode as she thought she saw Alice and Polly drop Polly's twins into fryer and then the uh, twins floated in the air. Yeah. Then she had a seizure. She fell down. We're not exactly sure what happened there. Uh, Jughead is dealing with being the leader of the serpents. Doesn't really come to play too much this episode. Uh, but we should mention also that he arranged for Archie to get a serpent tattoo so that his body his beautiful chiseled body <laughs> could be protected in jail uh, while he's got to keep track. Got to keep mind. track of your mind, bro. Oh, That's where man. they get you. We, if we could put a serpent tattoo on your brain, we would, but we can't. <laughs> and the other thing that happened with Jughead is he was approached in the middle of the episode by Dilton Doily, who's friends with a guy named Ben. We'll get to Ben's last name in a second. Yeah, nothing weird there. Nothing to <laughs> totally see. Totally normal. Ben, totally normal yeah, first name. Great. What else could they add to that to make it ridiculous? <laughs> uh, Jughead found Dilton and Ben face down in the woods. Markings carved on their backs. Ben seemed to be frothing at the mouth with some sort of green or blue foam. Turns out it was blue. blue. Uh, seemed to be green last episode. Just going to throw that out there. Interesting. Maybe an aquamarine. Ooh, there you go. That's <laughs> nice color. And uh, there's something called the Gargoyle King out there, and it has something to do with a Dungeons and Dragons esque game. I'm sure we'll get to plenty more. Yeah. Let's get into it. Yes. You, where, where should we start? Should we follow? I mean, the, the plot lines didn't really gel at all this episode. No. So probably it, do them half and we, half. We used to be able to like follow little bits and pieces, but now it's just a stack of insanity <laughs> uh, in a great way. Uh, yeah. So it is hard to <laughs> mix it up. But uh, we definitely start with Archie. Who, yes. I said it earlier. It is a legit Shawshank Redemption uh, homage. Like the warden is the looks like the dude. The warden to a has T. the same name as yeah. the warden from Shawshank Redemption. Oh, is that true? The yeah, same yeah. glasses, same yes, everything. Everything. He's the warden from Shawshank Redemption. Weird. Uh, what a crossover. Yeah, so in universe. that in that scenario, who is Archie from Shawshank Redemption? I guess he's supposed to be. 
Um, Tim, Tim Robbins? Tim Robbins. I was going to say Tim Burton. That's uh, wrong. I was going to say Wiley Dufresne, <laughs> which is, that's a chef, uh, I believe. So, sure. There's uh, a Andy of, Dufresne. Yes, Andy Dufresne. He's not exactly Andy Dufresne. I mean, I guess he was sent there wrongly, right? But uh, but that's he confessed to the crime in court. That's not... They'd say he was... Uh, Veronica later says in the episode he was wrongfully convicted. And it's like, no, he stood up and said, I'll take any deal you say. <laughs> Off to jail in my shoes. Right. Which is... Uh, later on in the episode, he loses his shoes... And that's the detail that's weird to Veronica. She's like, yeah. of course they let you keep your shoes in prison. Yeah, what are you talking about? Right. And by prison, we mean juvenile hall. But this place is serious. Yeah. Let's go beat by beat, though. Um, yeah. So uh, Archie has a meeting with the warden right out the gate. He gets uh, sprayed down. Um, yeah, you got to talk about the spraying down. Because yeah. he got hit with a hose. He got hit with some flour, I yeah. think. And yeah, then, I don't know if that's what that is. but uh, I don't know. I was watching back that footage quite a bit, to be yeah, perfectly uh, honest. Nice. And I got to say, his expression, the way that he looks, the way that Keiji Appa looks at that scene, is exactly the way my son looks when he's taking a shower. Where he's like, like mm, well, I hate no, this. Yeah. No, I don't want this to happen. Well, they just, it's so much cocaine they threw on his face. Oh, yeah. Uh, Do you face. think he's like fucking high the whole yeah. episode? I mean, that's how they keep jail, keep Juvie Hall fun. Everyone's <laughs> just, it's like a rave all the time. Hmm. Do you think KJ Appa stands for keep? Juvie Hall fun? Yeah, I think so. Huh. Uh, it's one word. The last uh, run of words is That's all one word. That's pretty cool. Um, and of course, Archie's first stop, the music room. The, right. They got to get him to the music room. Well, first well, he, he... Well, he it, talks about... The yeah. warden's like, hey, we have a music room here. You got to check it out. And oh, So the warden clearly is playing some sort of game with Hiram Lodge. I know this is jumping yeah. around a little bit now. He, he clearly is in his pocket... Um, as we predicted and as we find out in the promo for next week episodes, he has a secret underground fight club. So there's a lot of stuff going on in the Leopold and Loeb Juvenile Detention Center. Yeah. But what do you think his intention is when he's telling Archie about the music room? Because that, uh, that didn't quite track to me. Yeah, I agree. I, to me, it felt like only in retrospect looking back is it maybe he knows that that's a place that uh, is out of the sight of everyone else and mm -hmm. where the ghoulies or the serpents or whatever gang he asks to confront Archie can do it. And he can start to get him beat up and out of his head a little bit. Right. Yeah. If, if the warden's goal is to put Archie in his secret underground fight club, then he wants to see him fight, I guess. He wants to not see him be the nice guy. And see if he's tough enough to win, uh, which I think is what we uh, end up with at the end of the episode. Or maybe he wants Archie to release an acoustic album. Oh, there could be that either. Uh, maybe he saw the past several seasons and is like, you're Archie Andrews from the comics. You play music, you have fun, you drive a jalopy. What's going on here? I want you to get back to that. Yeah, exactly. He's got to get back to basics. He's got to play football and play music. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So the warden, I think we've established, is an old school Archie comics fan, a little bummed out about all the sex yeah. and violence in Riverdale. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's a uh, Miss Grundy truther. <laughs> he wants her to be the old uh, old lady, not the young, now dead woman. Yes. Uh, we uh, Fred calls the warden to check in on Archie, which I don't think that's how jail works. No. Nope. Uh, in the next scene, we get to see uh, the hot dads. Uh, of Riverdale getting ready to make their plans to try right. to meet Veronica. And they haven't done much yet. And to be fair, no. they don't do much this episode, which is a little bit of a bummer. It's still nice to see them all together, and they're like a coiled snake and yeah. ready to pounce. Oh, wow, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I want to see them do something. Because so far, the most that they've done in the history of the show was walk into Pops. Yeah. And granted, that was enough to stop a riot. Yeah, which, that's power. Yeah. When you have power like that, you have to wield it very oh my carefully. God, yes. But they are in Pops in this episode, so right. that's a step forward. <laughs> uh, so, so far we've had them walk into Pops. Last episode we saw two of them sitting down and one of them standing, and now all three of them are sitting down. Yeah. You're right, it is progress. One of them's going to go to the bathroom and make sure the hand soap dispenser is fucking full. Oh, man. The other one's going to go in there and be like, hey, the toilet paper, we got to flip it around. That's not the way I like it. Yeah, that's not the way I like the toilet paper. <laughs> that's uh, former Sheriff Keller. Yep. Uh, we see Betty um, next, uh, where she is uh, looking sort of rough. Coming off her seizure, right, uh, which was we, fine. She just spent a night in the a night in the hospital, or kind of yeah. just got checked out at the hospital, and that was pretty much it. Um, I so I'm I got to be honest. I'm a little glad Pete isn't here this episode to yell at us about what's going on in the farm because yeah. unless there's a total bait and switch going on, at the very least, Alice and Polly 
seem to be totally on the up and up. Like, there's no subterfuge going on there. Yeah. Um, it's weird that they are like, oh, we were just lighting up the bocce with some friends and didn't invite you, Betty, or something like that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it seems like that's actually what they were doing. Like, they were not actually having a ritual in the backyard. Uh, I Actually, I don't know. Here's what I think. This is going into a more overarching theory for what's happening. I think they were doing something mm. uh, secretive. I think they were uh, casting some sort of protective spell or or there, there's some kind of they were meeting to try to protect the people of Riverdale because I think they are fighting the Gargoyle King. I think they are on mm. the good side. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, whatever it is, I do think they are actually on the side of good. They seem much more new agey hippies than yeah. anything else. Uh, there's been some advanced photos that have come out uh, of them from the next episode, and it kind of looks like uh, the coven from American Horror Story inspired mm. a little bit, um, which, I don't know, to be honest, I'd never watched that season of that show, but yeah. it does seem like they are witches in the good sense of witches rather than anything else. And that sort of tracks with um, the Sabrina show that's coming that Roberto Aguirre Sacasa is also working on. So it would make sense that since he's writing witches as good characters or yeah. the protagonists, that the witches in this show would also maybe be on the this right side. Yeah, that also seems like actually a very proactive thing in general to keep going down that road with Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, where I know they take a lot of knocks, the writing staff, for some of the stuff that they pull, yeah. particularly with the LGBT characters, but they are very well aware of it, and they are very well aware of conversations in the world, and generally conversations right now tend to be very positive around witches, and yeah. Wiccan in particular, yeah. as a positive force for good and change. Um, so it would make a lot of sense for them to be pushing that. But we'll have to see. Maybe they were actually burning babies. Yeah, burning babies. We didn't see the babies in this episode, so. No. Babies named Juniper and Dagwood. Yeah, Interesting. To- again, totally normal names. Uh, thank you for saying that. I just named my daughter Juniper. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you were not being sarcastic at all in that nope. moment. <laughs> 100% not. Wait, did you name Juniper after Juniper? No, but uh, funny. If you, if you had a... Son, would you name him Dadwood? I mean, maybe. We'll see. Okay. How soon can I have another baby? How soon? I need <laughs> almost more. Or, almost immediately. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't think they take that long. Tell me how that happens. Yeah. Guys, hit us up. At Riverdale Dark is our dedicated Twitter account. Let us know how babies are made. Because we have too many already. <laughs> uh, and I don't know where they keep, keep coming from. Yeah. Someone help us. Uh, so uh, next we learn, and this is interesting to me, uh, of Dilton and Ben, Dilton Doily, famous... Archie character, Riverdale yes. uh, character. We've seen him in other seasons. Oh, well, uh, well so l- let's just mention this uh, um, to, to talk about the Archie comics of it all for those yeah. who haven't read it. In Archie comics, he's a sweet, dumb science nerd. Like, that's yeah. basically his thing is he comes up with ridiculous inventions Genius, all the time. Yeah. yeah, he is very nice. He's he very helps helpful. study. Absolutely. Like, he's the nerd in the skull, the prototypical nerd. He's very much in the gang with everybody else. Like, he's definitely not core four, but he's the same level as Reggie or anybody else. As Moose. In this show, he is shown up as a crazy survivalist with some scouts. Yeah. And then in the background a couple of times and now now he's dead right and they so they killed Dilton Doily a, a character with a lot of RG pedigree and left alive Ben whose last name we learned is Button yes his name is Benjamin Button and they left that crazy nonsense character alive <laughs> uh, for this episode. Well, so here's the crazy thing, which people might not remember, is that Ben actually has gotten more play on the show at this point than Dylan Doyle has. Ben has been showing up nonstop in the background, and I did a little digging in this today because we had a little extra time. Um, but there's been tons of theories about Ben and about his place in the show and how he's the overarching bad guy of the show and manipulating everything. What? Yeah, because he keeps showing up. First, he was the guy who sold Kevin a hot dog at the drive-in in season one. It was weird and creepy, and everybody kind of glommed yeah. onto him then. He was the last person to see Mrs. Grundy alive. He was right. making he out with her. That. Yeah. Uh, and then he showed up a couple of other times in very strange situations. Again, kind of in the background around the side, but enough to make somebody very suspicious. So... In terms of the world of Archie comics, it's bananas that they were like, oh, yeah, Dilton's dead off screen. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But then that this episode 
spoiler getting ahead that Bed died again crazy yeah it's what happened this episode the amount of stuff the amount of deaths this episode yeah they were so casually treated was over the top do you think Ben is the one that maybe pinned all this bad shit on Chick the main character of the Riverdale universe that's a good question I mean we're definitely going to loop back to Chick and Chick is going to save everybody yeah 100% definitely yeah no doubt about it oh my god uh, Betty and Jughead are, are on the case. So they have, uh, they're the ones that suss out Dilton's death, and they are uh, playing detective once again. Uh, Betty not telling Jughead for a good part of the episode about her seizure. Right. Uh, but getting back, it feels like they feel more normal when they're doing this. Well, they say that. Yeah. Betty says that to him later on after she comes clean about the seizure. They're walking through the woods, and he's like, are you physically okay? Can you do this? Is your health good enough to do this? And she says, honestly, investigating strange murders in the woods is much more normal for me, which was a very funny line. Yeah. Um, it, but it just hugely truthful. Totally accurate. And for Betty as a character, the way that they've established her on the show is... She puts everything else aside for her friends, and when she's investigating a mystery, she just becomes this laser pointer of intellect over yeah. emotion. But when left to her own devices, she becomes Dark Betty. She becomes a cam girl. She ends up yeah. electrifying a dude in a hot tub, that sort of thing. So I think that that felt, even though it sounds ridiculous out of context, it felt absolutely true to the character. It definitely feels like the normal of this show. And maybe we should follow the Betty Jughead storyline sure. from here on out because it definitely uh, exists separately. Uh, after they get on the case, their first stop is to go to the morgues, the morgue. Right. Which has a surprising open-door policy uh, <laughs> when it comes to morgues. Well, we have established that Betty has a line to Dr. Kirtle, who is yeah. the guy who runs the morgue, by paying him for information. Dr. Kirtle, of course, is not there, so Dr. Kirtle Jr., yeah. his son, is there. Who's creepy as fuck, uh, if totally. I may be Pete for a second. <laughs> yeah, no, he's completely creepy as fuck. He's definitely... Uh, I don't know what he's doing. Like, I understand morgue dudes are like, I'm dealing with dead bodies all day. But he seems like he's ready to host a horror anthology show. Yeah, exactly. He's turned away from them. He turns around and says, hello, I just hang out where the body is. That's what (laughs) a a mortician does. Right. And Dilt is just kind of lying there on his back. They show him the markings on his back. Uh, they is this where they mention that uh, he has a little blue on his lips? Yes, that uh, he was killed um, by cyanide is what killed him, but it was mixed with uh, blue fresh aid. Is what fresh they call aid, it. right? Um, so that seems to be what's better, fresh or cool? Um, <laughs> I mean, they're the same. Are if they? You're cool. You're fresh. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they're a little different. Like cool. With a K, mind you, okay. is dorky. Yeah. Fresh is like funky fresh. Yeah, no, I think it tracks with Jingle Jangle, <laughs> uh, Sticky Maple, in the made-up world of Riverdale lexicon. Right. Also that they weren't drinking with, like, orange juice, but having it with the fakest, sweetest drink possible. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it gives them a nice way to uh, just identify victims of the Gargoyle King. Uh, there's a great line where they literally say this is worse and more fucked up than season one or two of Riverdale. <laughs> do, he, you, do you agree? I mean, so far, yes. Uh, yeah. They, it, it is. It has much more of a, a darkness to it. Like, but like literally the, mor- the mortician dude, Dr. Curdle Jr. is like, it's way worse than that Jason Blossom murder. And of course, the Black Hood. <laughs> it's like more evil. So bye. Yeah. <laughs> Not uh, not the even the first Black Hood, but the second Black Hood, who of course Betty was your Yo, father. father. Sorry, just, uh, just too a... soon. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Don't uh, let light hit me. Yeah, um, yeah. So we find out the Gargoyle King is the face of true evil. So that's pretty cool. Pretty yeah. cool. And then they head to the hospital, right? Uh, yes, Jughead. Well, Jughead takes uh, he's takes photos. He's Old timey developing his photos rather than using right. a digital camera. Classic. Uh, again, there's a school newspaper. We've talked about this before. Only Betty and Jughead, and sometimes Alice work there, but it's the most important and most powerful newspaper in town. Yeah. Uh, actually, before we get to the uh, hospital, we meet uh, a character at school um, who is a representative from the farm now who has moved to the school. Oh, right. Uh, yes. Evelyn Evernever. Yes. Uh, Here's another name that I want to mention. This is, uh, I was talking with some folks about this. I, I think uh, having read comics yes. as we do, done. 
I'm I feel very inured to the idea of a ridiculous name like Evelyn Evernever because as soon as I hear Evelyn Evernever is from the comics, which she was, I'm yeah. like, cool, got it. Alliteration, <laughs> I'm on it. Just like Peter Parker, all good. Yeah. Uh, but then something like Benjamin Button, which is a character from a, a David Fincher movie, you know, slash an F. Scott Fitzgerald story, feels like a step too far for me. Yeah, well, it's too, yeah, it's too, it's literally a step too far. It's too far away from the genres that we're playing in. Like, they're right. referencing a big-budget Hollywood movie uh, starring Brad Pitt that was also insane. Right. Uh, about a man who ages backwards. Well, let me ask you a question. Uh, you... Our Zodiac expert here. Thank and you. you pushed pretty hard. The last season covered a lot of material of Zodiac. Yeah. Clearly, they are fans of David Fincher and David Fincher's movies. I have a little bit of a theory we're going to be playing with some Fight Club stuff with the Gargoyle King, has a bit of a disassociative uh, personality thing going on here. Uh, like a Tyler Durden sitch. Yeah. Do you think that the Benjamin Button thing is anything other than another Fincher reference, or does it actually have something to do with the character? Uh, well, as we, as you mentioned before, the character dies. Um, so I think it's a, just a reference. If they actually try to squeeze in some Benjamin Button shit into a a season that already has, uh, true detective, uh, laid on twin peaks laid on like all these, uh, other series and and Shawshank Redemption, uh, like it is a wild series of things. I I will mention at the end of the movie, Benjamin Button, Benjamin Button does die. So that might be the tie in there. Oh, nice. Do you think, well, he was, he a baby? Uh, Do you see finally a baby when he, yeah, he becomes a, he starts as a old baby and then dies as a baby man. Yeah. That's what it is. He dies as a baby. Uh, I'll tell you what, the thinking about Benjamin Button based on Riverdale, that movie, it's insane. That was a real movie that people had to take seriously. (laughs) Brad Pitt, who was like, he's a famous person. He's a star. Yeah. He was like, I'll do that movie about an old man, (laughs) baby. And then an old baby man. Yeah. It died. Like, it, doesn't the, his girlfriend in the movie, his love, take care of the baby him? Yeah. At the end of the movie? What's That's fucking crazy. It's very weird. But isn't that what life is all about? Oh, man. I never thought of it that way. So, uh, I I anyway, was we meet Evelyn Evernever. Yeah. She's a pretty important character uh, going forward. She is the daughter of Edgar Evernever, who's the head of the farm. Again, not to stay hooked on this, but I feel fine with her being called Evelyn Evernever because they're supposed to be in a cult. And it, yeah. feels, it sounds like a very cultish name to me. I love the name Evernever. Like, yeah. that is very cool. Uh, she has an interesting relationship with Betty. She very pointedly introduces herself to Betty and then also says, oh, I'm not going to tell anybody about your seizure. Yeah. The other night, which is, I think, a power play. Definitely to say, I watched, I saw it happen. I know you, something's up. I know you saw something. Like, I think that it lends credence that it wasn't just a, a hibachi night um, in the backyard of the. I, I still think Coopers. Alice and Polly seem to be on the up and up to me. I Evelyn think they're lying. Never... I think they're oh, lying really? to protect Betty okay. in a good way. Mm, like a okay. positive lie, like you can tell to your friends and family. Yeah, like a cool lie. Yeah. A fresh, <laughs> fresh lie. Fresh lie! <laughs> uh, yeah. So we meet Evelyn Evernever very briefly. She also is kind of chilling out in the background of another scene in a very weird, creepy way with yeah. Ethel later on, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, but then we get to the hospital, right? Yep. So they travel to the hospital to go visit Benjamin Button, mm-hmm. uh, who turns out to be comatose. His mom is there. She says the name Ben Button. Again, very weird. Yep. And reveals that his girlfriend came to visit him and gave him a little uh, stick man. Yeah, Blair Witch Stickman there. Yeah. Oh, good. Another reference, Blair yeah, Witch. Great. And they very quickly figure out it's Ethel because Ethel is the only person in town with bows in her hair. Yeah. Check. That's detective work. Yeah, that's how detectives work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the the, the bughead uh, could really go up against your your Batman. Yeah, uh, Sherlock Holmes. Or your Sherlock Holmes. Who do you think is the Sherlock and who's the Watson in that situation? Interesting. I think, uh, who's the Jake? Who's the fat man? Uh, that's a much better question. <laughs> I think that uh, I think Betty's the Sherlock. Yeah, yeah. All right. No, I think this episode Jughead is a little bit more of the Sherlock. Betty seems a little bit more along for the ride. Well, but I feel like, but Watson. I guess I'm thinking of other in some iterations of that. Watson's doing like all the grit work, like doing stuff, and yeah. Sherlock's just thinking. 
because Jughead's like, I'll take the pictures and develop mm, them. I'll do okay. this. Okay, all right, all right. I can, I can see that. Okay. Yeah. So in that case, uh, Betty is the Jake and Jughead's the fat man. Exactly. Yeah. Or if no, te- technically, because the fat man just sat around and Jake would go beat up people. Oh, so it's not anything like that. No, it's the opposite. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that's a show that no one has seen. <laughs> except for, I don't even know if you have. Uh, nope. Okay, great. I got to tell you what, uh, teen remake for the CW of Jake the Fat Man. That's what we all need right now. I wouldn't put it past this show referencing that show. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yes, we don't learn a ton much from, a ton much more from Mrs. Button, uh, except for that there is a missing kid. Uh, one of, uh, at the end of the scene, the sheriff comes in and is like, hey, I'm the cop here. What are you doing talking? And then a deputy comes in who looks like an extra who has never worn clothes before. (laughs) He's like, hey, uh, boss, there's a missing kid. Yeah, and that's just to set up a spooky scare later on in the episode. So they go to visit Ethel at that point. Yeah. uh, And they find out a bunch of stuff from Ethel. First of all, Ethel's kind of losing it a little bit clearly. She's just like sweating. She looks bad. Yeah, and part of that, the large part of that, is because she's reading Ship It by Britta London, who's one of the writers on the show, ah. and that book will fuck you up. Wow, <laughs> that is the lesson there. Maybe that's the big spoiler at the end. She's yeah. the gargoyle. No, I, I will mention, actually, I have read that book, and it's absolutely wonderful. It's, uh, I believe it's the book that got Britta London a writing job on Riverdale. Really? Um, it's about a girl who writes fan fiction who ends up on a trip with the people that she writes fan fiction about. Oh. Uh, and it's very true to like the convention scene, to shippers, to oh, fan cool. fiction writers. Uh, it's very romantic and sweet and funny, and I definitely recommend picking it up. But it was a cute Easter egg. Yeah. Uh, Easter egg. Yeah, we learned that, um, that Ethel, the little stick man on the door, was a, a protective charm, that um, she believes that she is uh, Ben's girlfriend, uh, that we later learned. Princess maybe Ethelene. Yep. Uh, makes sense. Uh, that they meet up in Dilton's bunker in the woods. Um, I love how she drops that, by the yeah. way. That she's like, well, it's in Dilton's bunker. Well, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great secret keeper right there. <laughs> uh, and she says she'll take them, but they have to go at night. Yeah. And also... I just want to shout out Jughead, or more specifically Cole Sprouse in this episode, who every single line reading he gave throughout was as disbelieving as anybody watching the show. Yeah. Like, I don't remember the exact lines of this scene, but it was things like her being like, Dilton's bunker, and him being like, Dilton's bunker. Yeah. <laughs> it is great. <laughs> you did a really you good job. You need that character in there. You do. He is us. He is yes. all of us. Oh, man. Um, I want to eat that many burgers. So they, Jughead doesn't eat burgers in this show. <laughs> That's true, only occasionally. He eats typewriter paper. <laughs> and he drinks toner from a local copy Drink, machine. eats typewriter paper and shits out novels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someday. I can't wait. What a great <laughs> extra matter for this show is Jughead's <laughs> shitty novel. <laughs> They're going to release that someday. Uh, dream job. Oh, the the writer of the... Ghost writer yeah, the of ghost Jughead's <laughs> shitty novel. <laughs> that makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, I want I want the last scene of the show to be just like a long silent scene of an agent sitting behind a desk, Jughead on the <laughs> other end. the The agent is just flipping through it, and it's flips like the like last fifteen thousand pa- <laughs> pages. Like whew. <laughs> he flips the last page, looks up, and is like, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> Uh, you really referenced Jake and the Fat Man in the last season? That's crazy. Uh, so uh, moving forward, we jump right. We go to the bunker. See, Betty sneaks out, uh, gets away from her, her family that seems like well, they're once again trying to protect her. Uh, Mom brings her tea, and regular tea, not some weird farm tea. Yep. Uh, Betty sneaks out, meets up with Jughead. They're having a nice little uh, get-together. Well, there was a scene before this where... Um, F- F Palace is gets together to confront uh, yes. Jughead and Betty to yeah, be like, hey, stop this. Very nice. I mean, they're kind of acting like the only parental unit in Riverdale yeah. right now, which is kind of great. Love it. Like, I like them together. It's very weird to see FP like basically being Fred Andrews hanging around in a house and being like, young man, what are you doing? Yeah, it's great. Uh, But yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely going to come back to haunt them because they are rogue elements, both of them, who cannot hold on to their shit for anything. Uh, But to see them be parents together for one episode was enjoyable. Well, and it's also crazy because for all the plot lines they're involved in, you have uh, Alice Cooper, who is like in a cult, uh, trying to raise (laughs) Betty, and also having a maybe secret relationship with FP 
On the other side, you have FP, who is running a gang, hanging out with the hot dads, being the father of Jughead, and having a secret relationship with Alex. It's well, like, and as we find out later in the episode, they have this deep, dark secret <laughs> where all of the parents who hate each other, mind you, <laughs> yeah. and never talk otherwise and have all these other secret things going on are all hanging out together. It's great. This show's great. It's crazy. It's great because, you know, everyone contains multitudes. Yes. Uh, we do a lot of podcasts. Yeah, exactly. That's our version <laughs> of uh, having a gang. Uh, so um, we in that scene, we find out that Betty had a seizure. That's his news to Jughead. So they have a little heart-to-heart about it um, on this walk. The doctor said it was stress-based. Uh, I don't believe that. No. I think it's the same thing as whatever is going on with Ethel later on exactly. in the episode. Same thing with everybody else. And if you compare Betty at the beginning of this episode, just after the seizure, she looks like messed up. Yeah. And and that's the same way that Ethel looks when we see her in this episode. So I do think that they are being drugged somehow. Right. Uh, It seems like the uh, Gargoyle King definitely uses uh, pharmacology somehow to poison his supporters and maybe his victims. There's... I watched the premiere several times now, and yeah, I can say... it's normal. For, yeah, it's a super normal thing for a normal person to do. Uh, I can pretty confidently say Betty doesn't drink anything or eat anything, as far as I remember, before she has the seizure. Yeah. So there's something going on there. There's some bit of information we're missing in terms yeah. of what happened to Betty. So I'm very curious to find out what that is. Yeah, and how is it triggered? Is it something where... Cause, well, let's get to the scene with Ethel. Uh, but before that, uh, Betty and Jughead encounter a giant, um, bloody horse stick monster. Yep. Which is very normal for the woods. Yes. Uh, very, uh, I grew so up in the country. They're supposed to meet Ethel on a bridge. Instead, they encounter the Gargoyle King or something dressed up as something like the Gargoyle King. It definitely seems a lot meatier than it yeah. did the last time. Animally. Yes, animally. And as they point out later, they don't think it's Ethel because. It's too tall. Yeah. Great detective work. <laughs> I, I still uh, harbor at least like a 25% chance that it is Ethel because the show has pulled this before. Even with yeah. like Betty going to meet somebody and being like, oh, why are you here? You know, or, oh, yeah. that person didn't show up. I guess they can't be this other person who's here. Yeah. You know, I think that happened with the Black Hood. I think that happened with other things. Uh, so it's entirely possible that that is a red herring to throw us off the scent of yeah. Ethel, as well as what happens later on in the episode. But, uh, again, small chance of that, I think. I think you're right, but it's, I don't do you think it's Ethel is truly the Gargoyle King. Or is she working with other people? Because we do have a legacy aspect to this uh, situation. So here, I don't totally believe this theory, but Mm -hmm. I think, and maybe we should probably make a regular thing in episodes, who is the Gargoyle King at the end. Yeah, definitely. uh, So Ethel's dad hated everybody in Riverdale. He was dismissed and demeaned by everybody in Riverdale. That's something that was relatively recent, uh, and I believe he killed himself, right? Yeah. Um, But he as far as we know, was present in the past time period that we're going to explore in the fourth episode. So what if there is a legacy thing with the Gargoyle King as well? What if Ethel's dad was the Gargoyle King in the past and has passed it on to Ethel in the present? I really like this theory um, because uh, in the scene um, that we're about to get to when um, Betty and Jughead confront Ethel and like, hey, where the fuck were you? We saw a giant horse monster. Uh, what's the deal? And she starts confessing some other things, and then she has a seizure. Yeah, she could have easily been faking that. Absolutely, uh, and it she it does she does sort of that like um, exorcism style like rictus pose. Uh, well, she does it in exorcism style rictus pose, but she also raises her hand over the head and makes it with something that looks like the mouth of the Gargoyle King. Ah. So that might be, oh, the Gargoyle King has been just, you know, manipulating me to do this, or that's the reason it's so tall is its head is on my head, you know? <laughs> oh, you think she's a puppeteer? She could be. Yeah, she it's could possible. Be. But uh, Evelyn Evernever, as we mentioned, is standing in the corner watching Ethel as she's having the seizure, not doing anything to help, which may fuel this theory that Evelyn knows what's going on, knows that Ethel is faking, or she's a dick. Yeah, <laughs> just a coincidence. Yeah, that's what I think. In that scene, Evelyn, I feel like is trying to watch over Betty, and that would lend a lot of credence to Ethel being uh, either the villain or a 
part of this. Uh, right. At the very least, problem. we know they're part of what seem to be two opposing forces. So Ethel is definitely part of this Gargoyle King thing. Um, so we'll have to find out. Do you think the game is going to be reflected um, in the past, in the flashback? Um, the, yes. Uh, the role-playing game. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know for a fact that the whole thing starts uh, or continues or something, but the the parents in the flashback episode are all at the school overnight playing Griffins and Gargoyles, mm. and whatever happens that they refer to in that parent-tale scene is what has affected what's happening in the present. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so we should jump back to the Jughead after they encounter the uh, the Gargoyle King in the woods. Jughead's like, hey, we should look at this map. Um, and they're like, yes, let's follow the map. They go to the hatch, uh, open the hatch, and get in the bunker. Very lost, Lostian. They investigate the bunker. There's a lot of stick men there. There's. Uh, Can I call out one of uh, yeah. Jughead's comments where he says, this is right out of a Philip K. Dick novel? Yeah. What? I didn't know what... That was odd to me as well. Because yeah. what Philip K. Dick novel has a bunch of... A culty things? None of them. Yeah, he's like androids and uh, right. And it was like very that. weird. Yeah, but I feel like it must be in reference to a particular thing. That's a great. There's got to be a clue there to what we're dealing with, right? Uh, so let's get on. Someone it, looked that up. Yeah, not us. Uh, not us. We don't have the time. We're recording a podcast. <laughs> we're very busy people. Uh, we find the um, the fresh aid and the cyanide. Yep. Uh, so clearly, it's not something that they. They, they were poisoned with, they made it themselves and then drank it. Right. So, and what they find is also a poster that says uh, that you need to drink from the chalice in order to ascend. Yeah. So they, what they eventually figure out by the end of the episode is that it's essentially a challenge. One cup is poisoned, one does not. The person who drinks the poison gets to ascend and presumably be with the Gargoyle King or something like that. Uh, and the other one does not. The other one lives. So in that way, then, Dilton and Ben did the challenge... Dilton lost Ben. Well, Dilton got the poison chalice and Ben got uh, to live. Right. Yet at the end of this episode, Ben kills himself. Right. So what? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, because if, do you ascend by dying? Yes. So, so Ben lost the challenge then right. with Dilton. Yet he still foamed at the mouth and almost died. So right. <laughs> even if you get the good one, the non-poison right. one, it's still there's not still right. like a little bit of cyanide yeah. in there. <laughs> it makes sense. Just just a tasty bit of cyanide. So you would only ascend by dying. Yeah. Or alternately, maybe just fresh aid is gross. I mean, it's came in like a pretty shitty package. <laughs> uh, it's like the spice pack in a couscous. If they are drinking some thirty-year-old fresh aid, that might be the problem. Yeah, that might be the cause of everything. Maybe this is a, this is like a uh, a after-school special for like mm. checking the dates on all the yeah, food yeah, you drink yeah. you eat. Totally. <laughs> the last episode is going to be like, and that yeah. is why you check expiration dates. Yeah. Hey, don't drink old Tang. This has been season three of Riverdale. <laughs> Uh, That's one of my favorite things about the show is how they announce the end of the season at the end. (laughs) (laughs) They do an SNL-style ending while all the actors come out and wave. (laughs) Uh, G. Smith is a surprising amount of cameos. Um, So they find uh, they are terrified by the adventure scout who has been hiding under the bed in here. I mean, that was ridiculous. It was so fast and so scary, it caught me completely off guard. (laughs) Yeah. Granted, they were exploring a weird bunker, but then the scout just kind of jumping out and being like, I'm a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we come back to them, he's like, he's normal. so anyway, I'm just wearing face pain. I'm a normal child. Right. Uh, I thought that was very odd. Yeah, it was super strange. They didn't grapple with him or anything like that. Uh, but he turns out to be part of the game as well. So yeah. uh, clearly... Dilton's been pretty busy in the intervening time since the first season when he set up his survivalist cult and now when they are all actually a cult of their own, worshipping the Gargoyle King. Yeah. Uh, but then we get to the Ethel scene, right? After then that, the Ethel scene, which, which we, covered. we covered, and then the final scene, they go and check on Ben. He's in the window, and he needs to be uh, reunited with his right. king. Well, they're in the hospital with Ethel, uh, yeah. And they're like, oh, hey, should we check on Ben? Yeah, let's go check on Ben. <laughs> and then they go and check on Ben. Ben's in the window. He sits there, and he all that says, you'll float too, 
another reference to Stephen King's It, uh, but he says, uh, soon you'll all fly or yep. something like as that. As he's falling out the yeah, window. Yeah, as he falls out the window. In case you were unclear on whether it was flying or not, you hear an enormous crash outside. Like he landed in a dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's like a, there might have been a, a hubcap rolling uh, down the street. Yeah. It was very, there was a cat that went, meow. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, there's a garbage man who then yeah. closes him. Uh, Homeless man yells, get out of my dumpster. (laughs) (laughs) This day, this kid's dead. It's Ben Button, you know, from the movie. (laughs) Anyway, this has been episode two of Riverdale. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank Ben Button for being here. I want to thank Evelyn Evernever. And Archie, our musical guest, Archie. Yeah, and Mad Dog. Thank you to Mad Dog for being here. We haven't even gotten to you yet. All right, let's do it though. So let's jump back yeah. and talk about. So that that side of the episode, scary, cool, interesting. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Now we move <laughs> over to the prison football part of the episode, yep. which was crazy nonsense from top to bottom, <laughs> basically. Yeah, pretty much. So Archie is in prison. He gets all wiped out. Uh, he visits the warden, as we talked about. Uh, he's in the music room. They beat him up for his shoes, and then Veronica comes to visit. Figures out something wrong because he doesn't have his really nice shoes in prison. And those shoes are reg- very regular. Uh, are sneakers yeah. currency and juvie? I don't know. It was very odd um, that that was a whole deal. Yeah. Uh, Again, it's not really juvie. It's basically prison. That's straight up what it is. It's also a nonsense prison, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. Uh, well, so uh, Archie gets there. He sees the serpents. He's like, hey, check out my tattoo. They're like, pretty fresh, dude. I don't know if you are. We get a surprise cameo from Joaquin. Yes, who uh, looking real good, I yeah, gotta say. Prison. Juvie does him right. He does. He should stay in prison forever. I mean, this was a very sexual prison. Yes. Everyone's hot. Shirts off. Like. Oh, we didn't talk about Mad Dog. He met Mad Dog first. Uh, yes, that's true. Yeah, he goes to his room, meets his new best friend, Mad Dog. Breakout character of the season. Very exciting to yep. meet him. He's doing a bunch of pull-ups <laughs> later on. He's doing... I don't even know what you call that thing where he's sitting... Uh, Mad Dog's in the background sitting between yep. two beds, lifting like up bent his abs. arms. Sit, yeah. yeah, while Archie's doing push-ups in the foregrounds. Delightful. Great shot. And uh, abs for days on this. Abs, abs for like days. washboard on washboard. Yes. Uh, so Mad Dog has something going on with him. We don't know what it is at yep. this point, but he clearly doesn't want to get involved with Archie. Yeah, he thinks uh, Archie's... And then Archie goes out to the yard with his beautiful shoes and beats Joaquin. Yep. Who tells him to shiva, dude? Shiva ghoulie so he can make his bones. <laughs> yeah, everybody wants Archie to make his bones. Archie needs to make more bones. Yeah. Ooh, maybe that's how you make the Gargoyle King is by making enough bones. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Get enough bones. <laughs> when you Once you, be, you go from a poutine, Archie, <laughs> to Hiram Gang, to poutine, to Gargoyle King. Yep. That's the latter. Uh so, um, shoes of the currency. It, well, I mean, a couple of side plots that we can touch on briefly. Um, someone asked Veronica how the speakeasy's going, and she's like, oh, it's going slow, uh, <laughs> yeah. which I thought was a funny thing to ever say. Um, we have this uh, smaller plot that we can just break down real quick, I think, of uh, Kevin and Moose. Yeah. Uh, like we talked about, it's a little fucked up. Moose is ashamed of his relationship with Kevin. They had a great summer yeah, they, fling, I guess you could they say. They get into school. Kevin immediately grabs him, put him into a kiss. And Moose is like, yo, my dad's over there. I can't kiss you. And immediately avoids him. And, and his dad is like the ROTC, which is like... Yes, except it's the RROTC, which I'll say it's the one messed up name in Riverdale that makes sense. Yeah. Because I think it's the Riverdale, Riverdale ROTC. Yeah, it does. It totally checks out. Yes. It was the most sensible thing of the entire season so far. Yes. And then later on in Pops, uh, Kevin uh, sees Moose again, is like, hey, how's it going? And Moose is like, oh, I'm here with my RROTC guys, yeah. and leaves again, very messed up. So Kevin's solution is to join the RROTC, which is not going to be super awkward at all. No. Uh, and but That's the thing, with, we talked about this at the beginning of the season, like, Kevin's such a great character, and the storylines that he's had for the last two seasons I think are a disservice to the character. Yeah. He's do like him chasing. He's already tried to be with Moose. They already had a secret relationship and it went poorly. Why? Like he loves Moose. It seems like. Yeah. And so I understand like willing to sort of give everything up for a relationship, but it seems like he as a character is smarter than this. Well, and trying to, I don't know what exactly he's trying to do, but uh, trying to forcibly out Moose is an awful thing to do. It well, makes Kevin not a great character. I don't think he's doing that. I, I would say he's not doing that. He's just like 
hey, let's continue our relationship. Yeah. Because I think Kevin is, he understands, okay, you don't want to be out, fine. But, like, we can still go make out in the boiler room, right? Yeah. And Moose is like, no, I'm not doing that right now. Right. And so I understand his position. It's just, like, to be like, all right, I'll go hang out with you and your all the people you're hiding your identity from. Is like, Moose is going to not like that. And it's going to end up bad for specifically Kevin. If they treat it realistically at all, if it does come down to Kevin is making bad decisions because he's frustrated and in love with this dude who doesn't love him as much back... That would be nice. I yeah. don't trust that Riverdale, the least subtle show on television, will take that route necessarily. Yeah. Um, and to that end, that's why I do want to see Kevin in a better plot line, in a better relationship than with Moose. Yeah. There uh, you go. Uh, we get some Cher- good Cheryl stuff here. Yes. Uh, great, great Cheryl stuff. Great Cheryl stuff. I, no no Shoney this episode. No. Tony not, completely not, missing. Yeah. Odd. Yes, very strange, particularly because she's part of the River Vixens and later on the River Vixens dance. Um, I, I don't know why. I mean, I guess they wanted to concentrate on Cheryl's relationship with Veronica this episode. And also, I feel like this is an episode where Cheryl's not sweet character we like. She's like a political uh, puppet kind master. Of, except she is the most, I would argue she's the most reasonable person of the episode. Well, definitely. But she also is like, She's being the mean girl Cheryl yeah. version of herself as opposed to the character who's in love with Tony Topaz. Sure, that makes sense. Um, so she tells Veronica, oh, I'm going to be student body president because I need it for my college applications. You don't need it. Veronica is frustrated because she wants to hold on to the presidency until Archie gets out of prison and, of course, can resume his position of power in the junior year of high school. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, Uh, A politician with a criminal record? I don't uh, believe it. (laughs) Woo! Uh, Josie tries to call them out of the locker room and is like, nope. Also, to point out, uh, Cheryl takes all of her important business meetings in the locker room, which I appreciate. It's a beautiful Uh, locker room. Yes, it's very nice. Uh, There's also a weird red glow coming from the inside of Cheryl's locker, which I saw a bunch of fans noticing. I don't know what that's about. I think it's her glowing archer's cloak. Ooh, probably. That's where she gets her great aim and inability to... Unne- un- she doesn't need to practice. Uh, and then she uh, goes to Pops to sit down with her minions, who we haven't seen in like a season or yeah. so. So that was interesting. She has this great line, you can't discriminate against someone because they're better looking than you, Veronica. Yes. Which I thought was so funny. Yeah, that was great. Uh, and Veronica gets frustrated, tries to ban her, but then Cheryl turns it around and is like, why don't you just do something? Why don't you get him out of there? Yeah. Uh, so first, that's what spurs Veronica on to go to the jail and talk to Archie. Uh, and then she gets even more frustrated. She decides to try to start... Um, what is it called? It's an actual organization. The Innocence Project. The Innocence Project. Uh, Join the Innocence Project to start a local chapter. Uh, she talks to her mom about it. Her mom gets very nervous. We don't get to see the resolution of that, but it seems like they do. Yeah, she mentions it a couple times later to Archie, so it seems yeah. like that's in process. Yeah. Uh, and then she talks to Cheryl and says, hey, I've got an idea of what we can do for Archie that's going to be super helpful, but I'm going to need your help and the River Vixen's help. Because meanwhile, Archie in the prison has um, Mad Dog's like, you got to be an animal, dude. Meanwhile, Mad Dog has a record player that he listens to, like, classical music while yeah, he's sure. reading on. Um, but you got to well, be again, an animal. Uh, Shawshank Redemption yeah. reference. Uh, definitely. Uh, you got to be an animal. And Archie's like, okay. And he puts on his, his brand new purple shoes. I, I'd have to go back and look at it again. But I was looking at the posters on Mad Dog's wall to try to figure out what their clues. But one of them had to be a Rita Hayworth poster, right? I didn't notice either but okay. uh yeah maybe um, probably yeah uh archie's a running back now um we learn uh, yep. even though he uh, he was a quarterback before oh. but uh that spurs him on to be like let's play football right and i'm not gives- an animal i think we should all play football right and he gives a rousing speech about football to yeah. everybody and everybody's like you know what football yeah, and um, it, it's because there's this gang violence between the ghoulies. Um, because you know what the ghoulies, they love eating human flesh yep. and playing uh, f- backyard f- touch football. Yeah. Uh, they love pigskin and human skin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so they all agree. Mad Dog comes to Archie's aid in yep. a permaflex uh, for his whole body. And he's like, let's play football. Uh, mix up the team's. Not ghoulies versus serpents. Everybody plays. Right. And so they get there. uh, They're setting up to do the game. And then 
The River Vixens walk up and Ooh. do a full-scale musical number to Jailhouse Rock. Yeah. What did you think about that, Justin? It was weird. It was very odd. Uh, it was, I mean, <laughs> it was in an episode where it's like the jail's crazy. Uh, and then all of a sudden you just like see these lip syncing singing. It felt, it almost felt surreal in an yeah. interesting way. Like I, I liked it. Yeah. It's, it made as much sense as anything else. Uh, it definitely felt like, oh, you guys had time to coordinate and rehearse the number yeah. to Jailhouse Rock. But also like all, all right. the, all the juvie kids run to the fence and are like, yeah. And then like two minutes later, like, okay, we're good. Keep dancing. We got to play football now. Right. How long was that number exactly? It felt like the entire game. Right. Two halves. And then Hiram shows up in the middle of that. Uh, Veronica goes over. is like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I'm just checking out the game, Veronica. Did you notice on Hiram's jacket, his, uh, he has a uh, lapel pin. Ooh, I didn't. Uh, which is an octopus. Oh. Uh, I think that is going to become a, an important symbol. Maybe something that shows, maybe back to the Injustice League that was formed at the end of last season. I uh-huh. thought maybe that may be an octopus thing, or maybe it's a reference to something we're going to learn in the flashback episode. That is interesting because this whole Injustice League thing that was dropped at the end of the season has not shown up at no. all. And I feel like it's going to be like an octopus tentacle thing. They have their tentacles right. everywhere. And that's what we've seen from Hiram so far this season is he has, he has everybody in his pocket. He literally nods to the warden and then like a hundred guards at this juvie hall in riot gear. Right. Come and beat the shit out of everybody. Archie's just like wrecking dudes. Right. <laughs> in full body armor. Which is crazy. Particularly because he's trying to be like, I'm a good kid. And then he's like, I'm going to kill some cops. Yeah. What is going on there? And it's like, it's an ambush. I was like, when you're in jail, it's not an ambush. Right. <laughs> they, that's their job is right. to literally. You, uh, everybody just lie down. Yeah. <laughs> and then go back to your rooms. What are you guys even doing? Uh, but it turns out Archie has some good boxing prowess, which is what the warden picks up on. When Archie gets back to his room, he finds out that Mad Dog is dead. That's insane. Which is crazy. Yeah. Do you think Mad Dog is really dead? I think so, yeah. Yeah, me too. It's sad. Unless he's been thrown in solitary somewhere and he's going to help Archie break out of prison. And then the next episode would be like, now I go to high school with yeah. you guys. <laughs> Even though he looks like he's 25. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, I liked the character, too. It's sad right. to see that he died. He was interesting. Um, yeah. Well, it's, also, it doesn't... So it turns out that Mad Dog is a name, essentially, that the warden gives to people who are star boxers. At least that's what we're probably yeah. going to find out next episode. Um, it's weird to set up this pseudo-friendship between Mad Dog and Archie and then not have them go head-to-head in the ring. Yeah. That seems like a very straightforward thing to do. I will say maybe that that could be a reveal sure. um, in a little bit. Because in the... So there is this secret fight club that the warden has. I don't know how he makes money on it or right. why he would do it. Um, unless rich people come and like bet on them. But uh, That's exactly what's going to happen. I Crazy. Um, but the guy that Archie's fighting in the preview for next episode is like smaller than him. He's like right. a, a child. He looks Archie's like a 10-year-old boy. I know. It's ridiculous. And Archie, we should say, bigger than ever before this season. Like yeah. he is. Well, know, he's got right. a lot to compete with. Oh, my God. Um, uh, Betty or Veronica shows up at the jail, got a fake ID because Hiram said you can't see him <laughs> right. anymore. And she's wearing some a very intense blonde wig. Yeah. Now, I think what I'm taking away from this is I think this is a tease. Uh, last season, they did a musical episode, Carrie the Musical, where the school was doing it. I think this season they're going to do Fiddler on the Roof and she stole one of the costumes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because that was a crazy. I think it's a uh, it's spurring Archie's interest in Betty. And we have an, uh, an example. Oh, wearing a blonde wig. Yeah, I think Ooh. it's a, a Betronicky. Here's what I think happened in that scene. So Veronica comes in and is like, hello, my name is Monica Potter, or whatever she says her name yeah. is. Uh, my name is Monica Potter. I'm from The Innocent Project. And Archie looks at her dumbfounded, and then she winks, and he goes, smiles. I think he didn't know who she was. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Archie's like, women just like oh, me. This one oh, came to jail to see Monica me. Potter, <laughs> thank you so much. Wait a second. Ronnie, I'm so sorry. I cheated on you with Monica Potter. <laughs> From Cod Air. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, that pretty much is where we leave Archie. It's a little weird of a story for... So is Hiram, who is, has the warden in his pocket, why would Hiram want Archie to be involved in this fight club ring unless he wants Archie to die? 
I think that's essentially what it is, or he just wants to beat up Archie as much as possible, get him knocked down as much as possible. Yeah. And Mad Dog seems crushed. Like, his spirit is crushed. Yeah. Archie's spirit clearly is not crushed by his sneakers being taken or anything like that. Oh, God, imagine having your sneakers stolen. Uh, that sounds like My spirit the would be worst crushed. thing. Um, he So we have that, but I think like getting him in the middle of this particular fight club thing is another way of being like, fine, crush his spirit, keep him in jail as long as possible, keep him away for Veronica to punish both of them. Yeah. That's Forever what wronging about. me. Uh, cool. I think that covers everything in the episode. Anything else we should? Uh, well, we should say there's the great scene between all the parents, and they Ooh, yeah. they talk about how the it's it's happening again. The thing that they did is coming back to haunt them. Um, we said we would never talk about this night, but it's going to affect our children. Our children are getting involved. Yeah. What do we do? So I think uh, f- uh, we already mentioned it's crazy to see all of them together because they all have these severe issues going on. And it's weird to see Fred Edgers involved in anything bad whatsoever. Yeah. Um, Fred and Hiram in the room together, not being angry. Like that's how, and so I I don't say it's weird in a bad way. Like I liked it. It makes, it makes what's happening have so much more stakes to it. Yeah. Whatever happened, whatever they did in the past, they're building that up a lot. It better be pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, it has to be so bad that they put aside absolutely everything else that's going on to all get in a room together. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was great. I also Very wanna, Twin Peaks. Yeah. Quick, uh, this is a weird thing to notice, but uh, there was the shot when Archie was in the music room and the ghoulies walked in. Uh-huh. Very beautiful shot. Yeah. Like really well filmed, which yeah. is something that I feel like we don't talk about enough with the show. Yeah. And from, it was from a distance. It was yeah. like made in a different, it felt very different from the rest of the show. So I don't yeah. know uh, what that was for. Cool. Uh, before we move on though, we asked you guys on Twitter and in our private Patreon only Slack, which you can get access to patreon.com slash comic book club pledge two dollars or more and we'll let you in there and chat with you about riverdale all day long uh we asked for questions from you guys so i'm gonna read down some of them i will see what we covered and what we didn't this is from at team maya 14 on twitter says questions i got many when will barchi talk about their kiss when will the writing start making sense when will they invest in other character stories and development when we find out who tried to shot fred at his house on and on uh, and actually, uh, Miranda at M Dawn 37 says tall boy was the one who attacked town hall and tried to shoot Fred. He was hired by Hiram. The new sheriff approached him and they were forced to shoot and kill him. This could all be a lie, but that's what they're claiming on the show. Uh, team Maya <laughs> says, I'm so confused. The show and three, uh, very confused, upset faces. Uh, and then Miranda at M Dawn says, LOL, I'm always confused. Here's a link to the scene they're talking about. So if you want to check that out, head to the at Riverdale Dark uh, Twitter feed where she linked that. But let's tackle the other stuff. Uh, when will Barchi talk about their kiss? I hope I've been pushing. I want a, a Barchi uh, confrontation soon this season. Yeah, um, I think it will. Uh, I think there's a good chance of it happening. It feels like Ver- we talked about this before. Veronica and Archie feel like Veronica's pushing so hard in their relationship. Archie's busy doing his other stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, jail. He, he, <laughs> yes. Uh, he has a lot going on. He has a lot going on. I feel like maybe we are headed for that. Um, if there's a situation where Archie has to, I said Archie maybe has to, he breaks out of jail, out of juvie, and has to go hide on the farm. Maybe that's how we first see the farm. When Betty is there or goes to get Archie, there could be something there. I think it's going to happen this season. I I also think it's going to happen every season just because it's based in the DNA of the show. But there is so much going on. There's so many crazy things happening all the time. Yeah. It feels so far afield to even care about teen romantic entanglements. Um, I don't know how you get there from here. Uh, plus... Yeah. Buckhead seems very solid, like really, really solid, really together, really into each other. Um, At this point, given everything that's going on and given their tightness as a couple, I don't see anything happening with them. Veronica and Archie, I think, are definitely going to be tested. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see. see What what about the blonde uh, Veronica? That's true. It is very confusing for him. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, And also, uh, when will they invest in the other characters' stories and development um, I think that I actually get the feeling that they're trying a little bit this season, a little bit more so than last season. Like 
Not that Josie has gotten any great storylines yet, but at least she's not disappearing for episodes at a time. You yeah. know, Tony did disappear this episode. She's going to be back the next one. It's a lot to balance, and I yeah. think they are making an effort to do it. That's yeah. at least my take. Yeah, I think it's coming too. I like we talked about with Kevin. That's the one that I feel like is really suffering the most. Yeah. At R Hensela asks uh, some teases about Choni. Um, oh, and also Francesca at Fran Loves Five H says uh, Fifth Harmony. Thank you. Good band. Great band. Miss great, them. great. Uh, says literally anything about Choni. Uh, yeah, obviously Tony was completely missing this episode. Um, she is going to be back the next episode. I believe we're going to, I don't know for sure what scenes we're going to see. I believe the fifth episode, we're going to straight up see a Chody kiss. Um, so they should be together. I like that there. you have this mapped out. I get hit up by it all the time. Hey, you have it written on your arm in Sharpie. Uh, that's not, Sharpie. That's not Sharpie. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went by the serpent's camp and they tattooed it yeah. to protect my body. protect your body. Yeah. Well, not- your brain's gone crazy. <laughs> Shoney crazy. <laughs> Uh, but we should see a little bit of it the next episode as well. But then uh, Tony and Cheryl, uh, Tony doesn't exist at all, like her family, as yeah. far as I can tell, in the past continuity. Uh, Cheryl is going to be playing Penelope, or Madeline Patch is going to be playing Penelope. So she should be a lot there. That should be very interesting. Yeah. Uh, at Makel uh, underscore Ice says, I've had to work back-to-back late nights on Wednesdays, and I probably will for the foreseeable future, so I'm missing the live eps of Riverdale. Problem is that I've had no urgency to go back and watch the two episodes yet. In your opinion, one to ten, how badly am I missing out? What I mean basically is, like, how good has the show been the past two weeks, LOL? I think it's great. It's better than the previous seasons. I'm into it. Really? Yeah. The pace is so high on this show. And they do a great job of, like we said, mixing this very, really interesting dark side of the story with like some crazy nonsense that is dumb, but it's fun and dumb. It's, uh, I, I haven't quite figured out what I feel about this season yet, just because I think you're absolutely right with the crazy nonsense thing. Like, in the best way, it is so many things all the time. Uh, since Pete's not here, I think we can reference another TV show. You've seen Battlestar Galactica, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the 33 Minutes episode, which is one of the best TV yeah. episodes of all time, where the Cylons keep attacking them every 33 minutes, and then they have to jump away, and then the Cylons attack them again. Uh, they And they're just wrecked and drawn out by the end of the... Not even the end of the episode, the beginning of the episode. That's what I feel like watching Riverdale. Riverdale this season where it's just it's so much stuff I don't know how to process what's going on I love it though I like that uh, overdose I would rather have that like I would we talked about last episode you had mentioned the idea that the Veronica jury tampering thing any other show that would be the entire episode that would be an entire B plot of an episode there was one scene. And then uh, oh, never mentioned again. Yes. I, I so much rather would watch that than anything else on TV. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, so one to ten. Where would you put it right now? Um, I, I mean, an eight. Yeah. Uh, I'd agree with that. I think this is the sort of show that it's so bananas you have to watch it live and you yeah. have to just experience what's going on. Imagine binging this show. It'd be oh, crazy. my God. <laughs> it feel like a fever dream. Yeah. All right, this is from, uh, uh, oh, also from Team Maya 14. My comments all over the damn place. They had the nerve to kill off a key character in the comics, Stilton, who was never used throughout two entire seasons, and now he's dead. No development, just killed for fun. This is some tragic mess. Shame on the writers. Wow. What do you think? Are you bummed out that much about Dilton leaving the show? Uh, I mean, they didn't really do much with him, and they clearly don't have any loyalty to the comics when it comes to characters, uh, keeping them consistent. I will say, I think it's crazy they didn't have Ben die in the at the beginning and at least have Dilton be the one who right. jumped out the window because he's a character we know and have seen way more than Ben. Except, Except in, for the, this theory. in the show. Well, in the show, I think... I get the sense that the writers and creators of Riverdale care more about Ben than they do about Dilton. Clearly. They killed him yeah. off screen. But Dilton was the one in the first episode who was like, hey, Jughead, could you mind checking out this crazy murder cult I started or whatever? Yeah. It's, I, I agree with you. It's amazing to me and stunning that they did that. I also still can't get over the fact that they killed Midge last season. Yeah. Like, maybe this is being too beholden to the comics, but I just feel like... I think about the show of like, okay, we're in season three. Season seven, they're going to have to kill off 
every single side character in Archie. They they killed off Mrs. Grundy. They killed off Midge. They killed off Dilton. But the character that, that show's going to be mostly dinosaur characters by that point. Wait, what? The characters will all be dinosaurs in the future, uh, living on Mars. <laughs> right, 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 right. Because that's the natural progression of this show. Yeah, one hundred percent. I do wonder sometimes if they have any sort of like we've got a five season plan or we have yeah, I or don't if it's think like so. I don't think they have a five minute plan. No, it's exactly. Like this show is they figure it out on the fly. Season which, by season. Which again, I love that they're yeah. just throwing everything all at the wall because I'd rather watch that. Uh but it does lead to things like a character Dilton who people love with the comics just yeah. getting killed off off screen. Um at Victoria one oh six underscore says, When will Barchi talk about the kiss? And a comment on that one from MDon37 is probably the same time that Betty and Jughead acknowledge the fact that they share a brother, a.k.a. never. Yeah. Um, I I, I disagree with that. I think they will talk about the kiss at some point, or at least... Because they're going to be making another one. Yeah. (laughs) Is that what you call it? They're going to make another kiss. I don't think you call it making a kiss. Make a little kiss baby with their mouths. Uh, Sonia at Department Make Believe says, comments, Veronica needs to sit the fuck down. No 16-year-old has the time to run a speakeasy slash diner, go to school, host a nonprofit organization, and be student body president. Oh, all while bizarrely, in the best way possible, serenading her boyfriend to jail. And she adds, it's all so ridiculous. I love it, though. That's mine and right I, there. Yeah, I think that's the explanation for yep. it, is it, none of this is possible. Yeah. It doesn't take place in the real it's world. It's multitasking. Yeah. Uh, do we have some questions from Slack? I think we wanna... covered most of them, except for um, what did we think about the next episode preview? Mm. I think a lot of stuff is going to happen. Yeah. I think we talked about the Fight Club and the other uh, bits of things. Yeah. Um, the thing that uh, we're going to get the phallus sex scene. Yep. So that's going on. So that's pretty exciting. I also... Palace. I'm most interested in what's going on on the farm. I, yeah. I want to find out more about the farm. I want to visit the farm. We're going to get some sort of hangout circle with Evelyn Evernever and some other people with the farm Into that he's going to visit. I'm really curious about that. Uh, and also Jughead is going to play Griffins and Gargoyles, it looks like, with Ethel. Oh, I can't wait. I want to know how that game is played. Yeah. I mean, is it just Dungeons and Dragons? Is there something different about it? Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right, real quick before we go, Betty or Veronica, this episode only. Uh, I got to go with Betty. Yeah. Uh, Betty was doing, she's solving the mystery. She's in the darkness. We're getting places with her. Betty. All right. I'm going to say Veronica just because she, like we said, she's got a lot going on. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you would like to support this podcast and other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the Pit Loft in New York. Please come on by. What else do we want to plug? Uh, hit us up on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at comic book live. Check us out at comic book club live.com for the podcast and more. And we'll see you after dark. Pete, join us. Fly, Pete. We'll all fly now. <laughs>